So I think this is genius. I think this is genius. We're gonna uh, we're gonna go out to the debonair in the morning and we're gonna strap beer kegs under the wings. No, have you seen this picture? I'm listening. There's a picture. There's a picture on the web of a uh, of what presumably is a, uh, a fighter airplane or an attack airplane, a small airplane from World War Two era. I'm trying to bring it up here on my screen. Where'd it go? Uh, Mesh modification triple X. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, let's see now here. Modification triple X. We're looking at a website called ghostgray. Oh my goodness. Gaten Marie. GatanMarie.com. Um, so this is a, a reportedly um, a picture of a, a Messerschmitt. No, it wasn't no, a Messerschmitt. That's a, that's it's a, a Spitfire. Spitfire. That's a Spitfire. Spitfire. Which has, which appears to have two beer ke- wooden beer kegs. Strapped underneath the wings as if they were, you know, in bomb placements or, you know, fuel tank, tanks. drop tanks or that kind of thing. And if you read the story, what they're writing about here is how uh, during the war, uh, uh, accommodating pilots, uh, because they got to go back and forth from time to time from the front in like France and Belgium and wherever, back to <sighs> England. And so they would go back and they would fill up these kegs and then, uh, and then fly the kegs back to, uh, to uh, the front where they would share it with all the, uh, all the ground soldiers. Yeah, but here's the money quote in here. And if you think about it, it's spot on. It says, yeah. um, it works uh, better if you point that microphone at you. Right at there me. There okay. you go. So, so every, this is a quote from this, this webpage. Every week a pilot was sent back to the UK to fill some cleaned up drop tanks with beer and return to the squadron. Johnson, Tony Johnson, who's quoted, or is it on, who's, on whom uh, uh, this is based, I guess, uh, Johnson hated the beer runs as every man in the squadron would be watching you upon arrival. Anyone who made a rough landing and dropped the tanks would be the most hated man in the squadron for an entire week. <laughs> Wasted and the beer. I, I get that. There's nothing like, you know, a pressure landing to really, you know, uh, kind of jack up the adrenaline. Yeah, I know. It's like not only are they watching, but yeah, right. Not so only, not only are they watching, but there are consequences beyond banging up the airplane. Now, I'm not sure if I believe. Do we believe this? We certainly believe that the that accommodating pilots would bring beer to the guys in the front. Sure. But do we believe that they really strapped wooden beer kegs under the wings here? I I don't doubt that. It seems perfectly plausible to me. There's, I mean, this picture, sure, it could have been. Uh, Mocked up, it could have been, you know, some joke someone was photographing, but it looks real enough, and it, it's certainly reasonable enough. Yeah, and, beer- and I think the beer barrels is is probably the better of the options too, because those barrels are designed to withstand the etern- internal pressure of transporting beer. And uh, you think about the way the pressure would drop as you climbed up to cruise altitude to take your spit to Normandy. Jim and I are both looking at the seal and thinking about this for a second. Wait a minute, David. The 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 air. The, uh, well, what happens when you get high? Well, I understand. Air gets thinner. The air gets thinner. The pressure gets lower. So the pressure in the keg gets even bigger than it was in the first place. Exactly. I, I, I but if you've got a fuel tank that you filled with beer, that fuel tank has to be able to vent. For the fuel to come off when you when you're drawing the fuel out of that tank, I'm not sure how good that that would be for the beer. So you're because saying not up to altitude, the beer would foam up when it came down. It sure as hell be cold, but flat, flat as a carrier deck. Yeah, I, I, it would be it would be pretty flat. Uh, I think two things. One, maybe they stayed at low level, 
two, if you're on the front lines and someone brought you a cold beer, I don't think you care how flat it is. <laughs> that could probably be. probably true, too. Okay. I'm just saying I think the beer barrels were the smarter way to transport it. I, I wonder, though, there's a lot of surface area here. Yeah. Oh, draggy as hell. It's very draggy. Very draggy. I, I yeah. wonder if, if maybe they had maybe turned the uh, uh, barrels 90 degrees and put the rounded in, in into the relative wind, if that might not have helped a little bit. But see, that it wouldn't make a good, have. that wouldn't make for a good picture, which is, I think, what they were all going for here. Going, well, this, this, the yeah, this thing is, is, it would fit with the, it wouldn't fit with the architecture quite as well, and it would present a greater surface area to the wind. But rounded, it might actually be less draggy. Well, uh, no, you know what? Actually, I'm I not sure. I think we should put some scale models. I think we should put some scale model beer barrels under Debbie. Yeah, I think I think actually <laughs> what we should be doing is uh, uh, we should actually be doing this with a Spitfire because that's the that's one of the premises here is if they used a Spitfire for this. So I think we should acquire a Spitfire or at least use of one <laughs> and get some beer and some beer barrels, not necessarily all at the same time, and kind of figure this out. Uh, it's going to take a lot of beer money to get a Spitfire. Yeah, that's a drawback, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it a is. big drawback. What I was thinking, we could, you know, because you're planning on flying, you're possibly planning on planning on flying Debbie out to Sebring one one day. You could, we could strap some wine, some cases of wine underneath See, the wing. Hey, I, I'm the sure that between us, we could calculate the proportional changes that needed to occur. Yeah, here's the fundamental to properly problem. size the beer barrels for Debbie. Yeah, Jeff. Here's the fundamental problem with that plan. Is if we want a beer barrel at Sebring, we can just pick up the phone and have one delivered. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a, B. Um, I have a luggage area. <laughs> I have a back seat that you know most Spitfires lack. So that, that's that's a good point. And just think of how you could rewrite Smokey and the Bandit using an airplane to run the Coors. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well, they did that. Uh, uh, um, where so it wouldn't be as fun. Yeah. What did they do? Well, th there was a movie. One, I don't know. One of the one of those stupid seventies movies. Burt Reynolds and Dom Dom Deluise yeah, right, are, yeah. are hotting around in a mall tail dragger and run out of beer. Run out of beer uh, in the airplane. Of course, they're drinking in the airplane, which is you know just a great great image. But um, they land in the city street, mm -hmm. town street. Taxi up to the convenience store. Dom Deluise hops out. Walks in, grabs a six pack, walks right back out, hops back in the airplane, and they take right back off. Yeah, and well, we, it's it's some interesting flying. It's a great little time. scene, but none of it ever happened. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> David, what? And well, we used to do that with quicksilvers, except it was usually an RC cola and a moon pie. I see. Okay. I hadn't heard that phrase in, in, in an eon. Welcome, folks, to episode 269 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. background noise throughout the day but it's just airplanes so it's not it's, it's not really noise. good background noise yeah right. this is this is the best seat in the house that's right we got sky riders now we got sky riders, we got now. Sky riders they, now. does that say you cap i can't it's got a runway in the front yard <laughs> and you're in sight clear away turkey special ground good afternoon sir taxi via foxtrot and delta 
We're recording this episode on, uh, what is it, Wednesday, January 18, 2012. And uh, joining me here in the virtual hangar are my good friends. Dave Higdon's out there talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hey, David, how you doing tonight? I- I'm just stunned that the first month of the year is already half over. We're 1 24th of the way to 2013. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought you were going to say something about the winter being over, but you're you're you're. you're oh no that 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 that's endless. That 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 goes at least another six weeks. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I can't even see my shadow. Uh, that's just what so. I often tell people. And 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 when I'm in New England, which I'm not right now, as people know, but when I'm in New England, I I, I like to point out that uh, that in New England, January is the coldest month of the year, and February is the longest. <laughs> kind of works out that way. Also here in the in the virtual hangar is Jeb Burnside talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. How are you? I'm fine. I'm I'm my memories of being living in the Mid Atlantic for thirty years basically can be summed up with February sucked. <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, and this February's longer than usual. Oh man! Is this? Oh, that's right. It's a little year. We have like two other Friday the Thirteenth this year, also. Do we? Yeah, we've already had one. Yeah, we had one the other day, and uh, and uh, supposedly have I think two more this year. Um, And of course, you know, according to the Mayan calendar, we'll all be dead. Yeah, we aren't going to make it till twenty thirteen, anyways. Yeah, we're uh, toast anyhow. So. And, and, and once we get because, to twenty, you know, you, you'll never become a twenty thirteenth Mayan. Once once we get to twenty thirteen, of course, well, thirteen is a you know, an unlucky number. So we got two years of this crap. So yeah, we're we're just toast. We're done. Hey, but before we get completely done, I'm Jack Hodgson, and uh, I Yay! am also talking to you from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, continuing my visit uh, here with uh, at uh, Shea Burnside on the banks on the shores of uh, I don't know Turtle. There's a lot of turtles in your lake, Lake Darwin, Lake Darwin. Okay. Like Darwin, right. There's an astounding number of turtles, and they're huge. These are big turtles. Lake Darwin with Wilson Island. Yeah. Well, Wilson's not around. Uh, Wilson's not around. We call the island Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island. And uh, <laughs> there is a gator out there um, that uh, I see sunning himself most afternoons. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Say that again, Jack. I'm not sure we all heard you. Go ahead. There's a gator out there. An, that- an, an, an alligator? What I guess what did an I alligator. say? Yeah, not a John Deere gator. Not a John, okay. Not a John Deere gator. No, so, yeah, a living, a living, breathing, cold-blooded alligator. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, uh, kind of make sure that's on the record. Okay. Shake, shake my lizard lips. Jack's finally found one. I don't know what. What have I found? <laughs> Wait a minute. What did I find? A gator, an alligator. alligator. Yeah. Maybe no. After you know, you doubted the the photographs. We're uh, talking about seeing him swimming around. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could, uh, yeah, yeah. Jack has seen an alligator. No, 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 no. I saw them. La- I mean, yes, I did doubt for a while, and but by the time my visit last winter had had concluded, we saw plenty. Of, I saw plenty of alligators, so I no longer I had doubts. Got you didn't admit it on the podcast. Not only did I see so many, not only did I see a lot of alligators while I was out here, but um, I saw so many alligators in so many places here that when I went back to New England, I'm not exaggerating. I was walking through the state park, which is near Lookout Point. I was walking through the state park. I walked past a little body of water, a little pond, and I looked out into the pond to see if I could see any alligators out there. Because I got used to the idea that every body of water has an alligator. Tell me again where you were. In, at Lookout Point. In New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. Right. You were looking for alligators. I wasn't. Well, it just kind of, I got so used to the idea of there being alligators. And, and, and everybody knows that the only thing that lives that far north are Loch Ness monsters. They got that here, too. 
Oh, we got to go. We got to talk about airplanes. But last thing, where's Bridget Fonda when you really need her? <laughs> really? Uh, let's see now. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll post in the forums all about the Loch Ness Monster because there is astoundingly realistic looking Loch Ness Monster every now and then. Here. Okay. Uh, let's see now. David, it's only a matter of time. What's the story he, he here? He thought I was making all this up for years now. We finally got <laughs> him on the record. He thought I was making all this up over this all this time. All right. Never mind. That's all. That's all I have to say. Yeah. So, David, what's this story about here? Something about uh, they're canceling the ELTs finally or something like that? Or what's? Well, uh, we we got a TSO for a new style uh, emergency locator transmitter a couple of years ago. Uh, and uh, for people who don't know, what's a, what's a TSO? National standard. We're a technical uh, standards order. Okay. Technical standards order. That means that it can be used to uh, an equipment piece of equipment that meets a TSO can be used legally uh, under FAA regulations for stuff for hire or for uh, uses that are, they require the TSO for period which is what the FAA is long required for emergency locator transmitters that they meet a certain TSO uh, TSO used to cover 121.5 megahertz ELTs uh, then the new one for the uh, what is it 406 megahertz satellite capable position reporting ELTs came about a couple of years ago. Most of the world has stopped allowing the use of 121.5s, let alone their manufacture and sale. Uh, the FAA chose not to do that uh, under the encouragement of uh, some of the pilot groups that they thought that'd be, uh, and at the time it would have been a little bit financially burdensome, less so every year now because the prices on the 406 is coming way down. Well, the old 121.5 megahertz EL, uh, ELT no longer has a TSO to build to, which means a company can build it, uh, they can sell it, but you can't use it in your airplane to satisfy the regulatory requirement for an ELT. Mm-hmm. Into that, so you got to go to the four hundred sixes. Is that what they? Nope. Called? You could still use the existing ones. Uh, oh, okay. You just use yellow tag ones, but you can't. But yeah. yeah, okay. Nobody can build new ones. Okay, and uh, well. that's going to winnow down the 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 patch over time. Yeah. Okay. It was just a matter of time before you know they, they did something like this to encourage for, formally encourage four hundred six installations. Um, in the scheme of things, I think there's a lot bigger fish to fry about griping and moaning. Well, I, are, are we seeing any good track record coming out of these 406s? I, well, I guess back to something I've you know kind of wondered about, whether we need ELTs anymore. Well, there is that. Yeah, you have talked about that. Um, I, but I, you know, the... They, uh, they, they haven't racked up the track record in aircraft that they have... In other areas where they where they've long been used, uh, maritime and sailboats and life rafts, uh, and for people working out in remote areas of the bush, hikers, backcountry campers, and and part of that I think is because they're still new. There's not as many out there. You don't have to have one that reports position, which is what most of that other. Those other modes use are ones that do report position automatically, uh, a GPS-derived position. Uh, the other is that in a couple of instances where we know that the new ELT was on board because the airplane was flying in international service into Canada, and Canada requires it. 
So yeah. they it upgraded to a 406, but they didn't mount the 406 according to the package instructions. They mounted it in a non-standard way. Uh, when the airplane crashed, uh, the uh, ELT, the 406 ELT, didn't stay where it was installed. It moved. Mm-hmm. When it moved, it pulled the antenna cable out. Without the antenna cable out, the satellites can't hear it. Right. Nothing can hear it short of being within about a half a mile, actually. Uh, so it didn't work in those in, in that instance. There have been a couple of other cases uh, like that where it hasn't worked as advertised because of a failure of some part of the system. Uh, the theory is good. I think as the penetration gets higher, we'll start to see more instances where the, uh, the uh, 406 results in a quicker uh, discovery by search and rescue people of a missing aircraft, but it hadn't really proven itself yet. No, yeah. Jeb, go ahead. Um, I read a lot of accident reports, and and clearly there are accident reports involving aircraft that are missing for a day or two. Um, yeah, every every now and then, some someone goes missing, usually over water, uh, and they're not seen or heard from again for, or at least you know during that particular cycle of of NTSB reports. Um, that happens. It's not rare, but it's not common either. What is common is an airplane crashing on an airport, an airplane crashing in a backyard or in a field, and, and a bunch of people saw the whole thing. There's yep. Generally these days, there's a witness, um, at least you know, in part because we're flying airplanes over places we want to go, and places we want to go generally are populated. Mm-hmm. So there's a correlation. But the punchline here is it's been I, – I, I can't remember the last time I read an accident report. Maybe there's one a year where the wreckage uh, was only available for location via a GP I – mean, via an ELT. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe half the time they work, half the time they don't. I don't know. It's – you know, it's, but it, – and, and – um, who was it? Um, the um, the guy who uh, went missing for a year and a half or so in, yeah, the, in Steve, Iraq, uh, Steve Fawcett. Fawcett yeah. Uh, yeah, his airplane had a had a uh, four hundred six ELT in it. It didn't go off. It was ba- it basically disintegrated with the rest of the airplane. Yeah, didn't the senator's airplane have a uh, the senator's airplane had a four hundred six? Yep. That's the one Dave was talking about the right. the turbine otter um, or beaver, I should say. Um, it had a 406, but it didn't go off because of the mounting uh, defect. So there's, I don't, I don't see 406s being materially better than 121.5s. Um, what I do see is if you need one on the rare occasion, you know, maybe once every two years, that an ELT actually a um, goes works as as advertised. And B uh, is credited with saving lives where there are surviving passengers versus a, a fatal, totally fatal accident where you're really just trying to find the wreckage and, and identif- identify the remains. Um, that kind of thing, I, I just don't see ELTs being useful in on an average, once every other year, something like that. Mm-hmm. Will there be an ELT save, a 406 ELT save? 
and the, the the ELT requirement came about because of one of those really rare accidents where the aircraft, the wreckage, uh, was a long time being found, and it was determined or decided. I'm not really sure which is the more apt description that if the site had been located more quickly that the uh, uh, some of the folks on board might have survived. Uh, they were being required overseas, and then we've got international civil aviation organization standards uh, that uh, evolve and change, and we wind up following along because we're signatories to that, uh, the United States is. And that's kind of what happened here. Uh, I mean, 121.5s had a terrible record to begin with. Uh, terrible reputation, and they'd earned it. Uh, 406s suffer from some of the same failure points. Uh, and in so What are regard, those failure points? Usually the mounting or the mount of the antenna, where something, you know, where they, they can move at different rates or in different directions, and the cable becomes separated. And when the cable becomes separated, uh, the antenna is not in the loop to actually broadcast it out, so its signal is is uh, uh, attenuated quite badly and doesn't go very far. Uh, may not go more than a few few hundred feet, if that far. Uh, that's the biggest one. The switches are better. Uh, the transmitters. Now, here's the rub: if you fly around with a 121.5 now and you need it. That is, you go down someplace remote, you survived, you trigger the ELT. Uh, it's going to be the old-fashioned way before you're decided to be missing, unless there's dumb luck and somebody flies overhead and hears your 121.5, because the satellites are gone. Or off. Are gone. They don't hear that anymore. Listening they only hear the 406. Remember also, in factoring in the, the relative uh, lack of someone hearing 121.5, Remember, there is an active current notum, and has been since uh, mid-September of 2001. All flights, if feasible, monitor 121.5. That's right. Yeah. So chances are there's going to be somebody listening over the, over at least the continental United States. Yeah. If they get close enough to hear you, then that starts the whole you know that starts the whole uh, thing going if they're not close enough to hear you then you being overdue is what starts people looking uh which makes it a lot worse because they're going to backtrack from where you were supposed to be and didn't arrive right. all right moving on uh david you you really like the be light airplanes don't you well i haven't flown I haven't flown James Weeby's version of them. I flew the Kit Fox light years ago, and I flew Kit Foxes before that. And they're just nice, simple, honest little airplanes. The reason I pop B-Light up is because they're doing things. Mm-hmm. What are they up to now? Well, they've uh, Mr. Weeby has redesigned the airframe for the B-Light generic single-seat ultralight uh, with an all-aluminum fuselage structure. All-aluminum in, uh, in the fuselage and the wing, the struts, uh, as opposed to steel tube and uh, uh, aluminum spars and, and, and ribs uh, in the wing and steel struts and all that. Uh, it lightens up the airplane considerably. 
it, it was actually attacked, followed by some of the pioneers in the ultralight industry, like Chuck Slasarjic. Chuck CGS Hawk was one of the ultralights that was basically made up of aluminum tubing and gusset plates with a lot of rivets connecting it. Uh, and he was able to build a really strong structure capable of carrying a lot of weight and a wide variety of horsepower and still meet the 254-pound limit that way. Uh, James Wiebe started off by taking the original design that he and his wife bought from the, the old Kitbox folks, uh, and they went about lightening it up through the use of carbon fiber components such as ribs, uh, some, of the, uh, uh, some of the panels, uh, very effective but a lot more expensive than the standard components. Going to the aluminum structure kind of splits the difference. It makes the airplane lighter, makes it capable of carrying a, a heavier pilot, uh, and staying within its load limits, uh, and doesn't quite add the cost penalty of going to all these carbon fiber parts that James designed. Uh, really close to triple the price of the airplane from the standard one that they offer today. So it's just good to see somebody paying this much attention and being this aggressive in the Part 103 segment because it's gotten precious little of it in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And the link takes you to some uh, to some videos of the uh, early chest flights of the aluminum airframe with uh, aircraft-mounted cameras and cameras outside the aircraft. And if you don't remember who B-Light is, I refer you back to the Mythbusters episodes where they tested the duct tape theory. Right. That was a, originally a B-Light airplane. Kind of got modified. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. I have no idea what you're trying to do with this next one, David. I'm not even sure if this sentence makes sense to me. Only think colder than <coughs> exchange, exchange the K for a G. Okay, and talking to the microphone. Oh, I was talking to you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm listening through things. We're on the radio, Jed. <clears throat> oh. Go ahead. Oh, that's supposed to be the only thing the colder. The only thing colder than their conditions was my blood running cold. So this is another YouTube video, which I started to play a second ago, but I can't for many reasons. Tell us what this YouTube video is all about. It's actually a YouTube audio with graphics laid in behind it showing uh, relevant images. But it's uh, a, uh, it's an audio of about seven minutes in duration uh, between a uh, MU-2 uh, twin turboprop Mitsubishi built uh, and air traffic control up in Canada as this MU-2 starts coming down Against its own wishes because of airframe icing. Uh, okay. Is this new or has this been around for a while? I had not heard this one before. Uh, this I've, sounds, I've it sounds familiar to me. I, I, well, I've, there, there have been some other audios where you had aircraft with engine out or some kind of engine problem and they were trying to make it to an airport and they had bad weather. Mm -hmm. uh, I had not come across this and I looked through the links. I collect these things for reference. Right. Uh, I had, I, I do not have this one in my little collection. Uh -huh. So it's new to me. If it's not new to you, apologies. But this is really bone chilling stuff to listen to. What's the and lesson here? Uh, 
once you get past the point of being totally foobard, keep your head anyway. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only reason these guy, this guy got down and on the ground and then is he kept his head and he worked with the controller and the controller hung with him and kept giving him as much information as he could. But the guy at one point has got a 4,000 foot a minute descent rate and he can't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. D- does he survive? Yep. Okay. Made, made in an airport. Made an airport, uh, and that was coming through several. That was coming through t- uh, twelve, fifteen thousand feet of IMC. Mm-hmm. All the while picking up more ice. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. Right. It's not that you can't. It's not. The, it's not a choice. You're coming down. The best you can do is point it in the right direction. Uh, try to keep the train falling below you, which is one of the things the controller helps with here, uh, and keep your head. Yeah. Because you just never know. It may look really black and bleak, and then again, you may pop out and see the runway where it's supposed to be. Get the wheels down, get on the ground, go into the FBO, kiss the ground, and change your underwear. Do you have anything you want to add to this? Don't forget to buy the controller a drink. Yeah, that's it. Oh. <clears throat> drink buy him a bottle yeah uh let's see now uh so there's an app for that apparently um <laughs> the faa has gone into the iphone software business um not exactly not exactly what is this this is just a mobile uh browser coded homepage for for uh, the faa.gov site it's it's just html maybe a little java it's it's not an app it's not an app. It's not an app. Okay. Uh, it's just another web page. All right. So it's, but, so it's not but, just iPhone. It'll work on, on... Right. It's working right now on my iPad, for example, which normally you don't need mobile mobile browser right. or mobile sites. It would sites work on your to, Android, right. too. It would, right. it would work on, on anything. Right. Okay. Um, but the uh, it seems to me like it was... Um, well, I don't know. The, the first, there's like five different items on this, on this homepage. Uh, the first one is an in-number lookup function. Second one is a uh, airport status and delays uh, lookup, uh, basically tying into the uh, uh, air traffic control um, system data. A, a list, you know, advisory circulars, enter an AC number. Now I don't know if you put in, you know, one ninety something, you know, what it would it pop something up? I don't know. Uh, FISDO locator. How many of us need to find a FISDO? Well, I don't necessarily need to find a FISDO every day. I kind of know where mine is. Um, and a wildlife strike report. Okay, that's that's valuable. Um, maybe there should be a wildlife strike report mobile site on its own. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think um, there is. Isn't there? there probably is, but I'm sure there's a well. There's the Bash program. Uh, birds, animals, strike. I don't know what what the what the acronym stands for, but that's they have their own website. That's a, a DoD funded operation, I believe, and it's a good one. Uh, I don't know the relative value of having wildlife strike report on the front page of the FAA mobile homepage. Maybe, uh, well, there is, you know, another link at the very top says read the latest news, updates, and press releases. And that's, that's, that's fair. So all in all, you know, it's, it's, I guess my question is, are these the functions that we most need from an FAA website? And maybe maybe that's what they've determined. People go to the FAA website looking for the most often. I don't know. Mm-hmm. David, what do you think about this? I think it's another case of the FAA learning to walk before they run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Nice. There will be more from here, but I agree with Chubb. I, I kind of look at the uh, at the, the the top items there, uh, but then again, with some regularity, I get phone calls from people who ask if there's some way that they can look up this or that aviation information. Jeb, Jeb just had a brainstorm. Now what? we should we should contact the FAA. We should we as a community should really work on this. There should be a link on here how to learn how to become a pilot. Yeah. And, and find it, find there should, there should, training. There's how to find flight. Do you want to become a pilot? There should yeah. be a link on here for that, uh, and we should we should work on the FAA to make that happen. We can do that. We may even bump it, into it, some of those people tomorrow, maybe yeah. even. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It, 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 is there just some private entity support a mobile application that lets you get into Duots so you could file off sure. your smartphone? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. absolutely. You, you could have a Duots link here on this page, too. Yeah, yeah but, I was going to think that that would be one that I would think would be a good one to have, even I, if it was elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, David, listeners should know that David's late to the party when it comes to smartphones, and uh, rumor has it he's shopping, but... Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, David, there are. There certainly are um, iPad and uh, and uh, iPhone and Android uh, uh, apps that do duets for sure. It's oh, there's ForeFlight for starter. I mean, ForeFlight is kind of cuts the corner. So, yeah, David, absolutely. Okay. Gee, I didn't know that. That's oh, cool. my goodness. That's cool. I, and I kind of like David's analysis that this is sort of a, a, a test flight. This is this is FAA getting, yeah, getting I, into I, that hole. I'm not I'm not displeased, but they need to when they need to add learn learn to learn fly. to fly. Learn to fly. We'll, we'll work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike Hewer. How do you pronounce his last name, David? Hewer. 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 Yeah. Who, who's Mike Hewer? Mike's been a major influence in the American aerobatic community for man I don't know close to 40 years he's president of the IAC here he's been part of the international body governing it internet uh, governing aerobatic competition and aerobatic uh, uh, flying uh, was a champion level pilot uh, aerobatic pilot competitor uh, Unless you're hardcore part of the aerobatic community, you know, like our friend Tupper likes to do that stuff, uh, acro camp and all that, you might not have stumbled across Mike Hewer or stumbled across his name, but he's been a fixture at Oshkosh for as long as I've been going there. Uh, and I've been going there since it was just a dirt swamp and Jeb was in diapers. Uh, and so Mike Hewer has been an influence uh, positively. And uh, about uh, about a little, little, almost two weeks ago, he was presented the Federation Aeronautic International Silver Medal uh, for his lifelong service to the community. And I thought it was worth uh, saying, you know, congratulations, well-deserved, and, uh, you know, hope you keep plodding along at it. He's also made a living as an airline pilot and, God, we we've got lots of friends like that. So that the fact that he's done all this stuff on top of a career as an airline pilot, that's a busy guy. Jeb's just dying to jump in here. Go ahead. I think it's interesting that the person, the one among us who's most likely to need diapers in the near future, is is referring to me in diapers. But that's, that's <laughs> a... <laughs> okay. Am I going to have to separate you two? Um, and, and, and they were real diapers, not the disposable kind. So, 
Well, that's great. Congratulations to Mike Hewer for that. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, that's 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 not a small deal. Uh, and uh, enough said. David, did you find something interesting in the latest uh, edition of Callback? Well, what I got out of this was how subtle can be the little things that trip us up. Mm-hmm. Callback, of course, is the uh, what monthly publication that summarizes some of the highlights of the reports that go into uh, what NASA by way of the ASRS program. All right, Aviation Safety Reporting System. It's been around for a long time. So these are these it's are, that get out of jail free card that you can turn in when you, you when you commit that airspace violation, and somebody comes on and says that uh, the tower would like you to call the FISDO when you get on the ground. So these are these are case, you need that app so you could get the FISDO's number, of course. Yeah. So this is sort of aviation's reality show about uh, you know real world. Uh, 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 first-person accounts of of mishaps in the sky. Well, th- this particular edition, this particular issue, uh, is interesting from a couple of standpoints. One, um, the first, basically, the the um, detailed content focuses on helicopter operations. Yeah. Um, some of these things aren't respecters of aircraft category, shall we say? Uh, in other words, some of the stuff that can happen in helicopter operations can certainly happen in fixed-wing operations. But it's interesting that they, they go into some of the details about um, uh, some of these uh, operations and some of the things that they look for and are concerned about in pre-flights and op- in, in actually flying the aircraft. So that's really one of the interesting aspects about this particular issue. The other interesting aspect is they fill out the remainder of the issue with just a bunch of quick hits on um, near misses involving helicopters. Near misses involving helicopters generally with fixed-wing aircraft, i.e. the kind you and I fly. So so it's it's a little bit interesting from that standpoint also. Uh, all, all in all, a pretty good issue. Mm-hmm. David, what, what did yeah. you get out of this? Um, that it's really easy to miss things when we think we're paying attention uh that it's really easy for a common phrase to be misinterpreted with absolutely no thought that it might be a wrong interpretation uh the one that jumped out at me who's got the aircraft yeah that that's that's a good do you have you know, that aircraft well no that's not what I would ask uh, uh, the pilot not flying, uh, if you know, if he was in fact not flying and I had control of the aircraft, I wouldn't even use the word aircraft, right? Uh, in, in in trying to communicate with him or her, it, um, it, I, I'm with you. It would have been just like they suggested. Do you have tra- the traffic? Do you have that traffic? Exactly. And, well, if and, you fly yeah. in an airplane, if you ever fly in an airplane with an active or even a passive collision avoidance system that has an audio uh component to it the word it will use is traffic because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it doesn't know what the frack that is right. it doesn't know if it's a helicopter or a sailplane or an airplane it just knows it's traffic and when i read through this i went right past that you got the aircraft and i, I i'm thinking yeah i would have done the same thing i just said yeah i got the airplane and taking over the controls. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I would have done too. I, I can see this happening to me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, I've, my my bride is well schooled on this mm-hmm. because there was a time when she picked out traffic quicker than me, yeah. and she said, "You you got the airplane once?" And I went, "Yeah." Do you want to fly it? And she goes, "No, I mean that one over there." <laughs> oh, traffic, please, sweetheart. Traffic. Yeah. You yeah. got the traffic, and she never messed it up again. Yeah. 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 And what still weirded me out was that I almost didn't see it, and she'd seen it 30 seconds earlier. All of which goes to just further buttress my old maxim, which is, you know, there's the worst thing in aviation is uh, two pilots trying to fly, fly the same airplane yeah. at the same time. Yeah. 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 Well, it, sur- surgery fixed a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> and what? And... And 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 uh, uh, it's absolutely true. Um, uh, David's David's wife Annie is a uh, is a, well, having married David, notwithstanding, a very smart woman. She learns quickly. But uh, oh, she's an excellent co-pilot, a non-flying co-pilot or flying co-pilot, even though she's not rated. But uh, yeah, yeah, and rarity of rarities, she likes little airplanes. Yeah, I know. It's very impressive. It's uh, you know, you you hear from time to time about spouses who. Well, you, sadly, you hear about spouses who don't want anything to do with with the with the flying. You hear about spouses who kind of tolerate it, but uh, it's all. I've always been 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 pleased, impressed, whatever that that Annie genuinely seems to enjoy it and value it, and uh, and uh, you know picks up some important parts of it as a as a non flying uh, passenger, non flying. Yeah. Well, she she did pinch hair stuff, and we yeah. got her on a regular basis when we still owned, uh, and. Uh, There's some element here that was learned on my part because of prior unpleasant experiences mixing uh, a a romantic relationship with aviation that it didn't come to the fore when it should have. So, what did you do? You try to try to uh, hit the Mile High Club and run out of gas? (laughs) No, uh, it's kind of like. Didn't read the clues. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this airplane stuff good, but it'll all go away when we're married, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. The whole mile high club running out of gas brings a job. Never mind. No, no, no. Um, I always top off for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, one of the, uh, I, I don't know which one it is because I don't really watch these, these, uh, these, uh, uh, America's greatest new talent shows. All right. But I, I saw fragments of one of them where what they did was, while the person is performing on stage, each of the three judges have a great big red button in front of them. And, and at any time during the performance, they can hit that button and it causes a great big red X to appear over the, over the performer on the stage. And when all three X's are lit up, that performer has to stop and is taken off the stage. I really wish we had a similar system here. So that we could just stop talking about this next story. At least I, I don't know. I, I would certainly hit the big red button whenever the su- subject of light squared comes up on the list. I am just so tired of hearing about the light squared story. I think it's gone. I think it's over. Don't you, David? It's done. It's close, but until it's officially done, it ain't done. I know. You're right. It's like SOPA. You can't let, you can't let your guard I'll, down. I'll tell you when it'll be done. It'll be done when light speed, or light squared. squared, excuse me, light squared, not the, not the headset manufacturer, but the, um, um, the cell phone ish wide, uh, uh, wide fly, fly, widespread coverage, uh, people, light squared, um, when they get 
an allocation of suitable bandwidth from the FCC. That's what this is all about. Yeah. If it was that uh, simple, then why didn't, why didn't the FCC just give them the bandwidth? What is band bandwidth? Depends on which by, bandwidth makes the system work. I pretty much guarantee you someone already has an interest in that bandwidth. Yeah. Ban- bandwidth by dint of congressional action some years ago stopped being a public commodity that the government could grant for free yeah, and became a commodity that they had to charge for. Uh, Light Squared bought this bandwidth, this frequency spectrum is really the right word here, from somebody else that acquired it with thoughts of using it appropriately for satellite-based communication right. okay. products. Let's not rehash this. Tell us what the new news here is, and then we'll move on. And that uh, is, I can do it in a minute. Yeah, okay. Go. Well, big report due out by all the different users that have been involved in researching all of LightSquared's claims of how this next fix will fix the problems of their system their, their plan system's ability to interfere with GPS. We gave you the link letter on the light squares testing on the uh, outcome and the agencies involved report that they have found no circumstance under which light squares plans can work can work not by filtering not by changing software not by powering down part of it uh, not by shifting part of the bandwidth to the lower end it will not work in this bandwidth without screwing up GPS for anywhere from an unacceptable percentage of users to an outrageous percentage of users. And they recommend that the provisional approval be allowed minute. to expire. That's the end of it. Sorry, you did pretty good. David. Someone Thank should you. put the story of Light Squared to um, um, the tune of Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah, really. Turn it into a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> turn it into a Dr. Seuss thing. Yeah, that, yeah. Would, that would be. So, someone should do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll one think, of our listeners should do that. We'll think Maybe about that. Maybe we should do that. All right. Do you have anything you want to add to Light Squared before we go on here? No, I just you know, let's get the fork out and try to stick a. Stick I would in, love to. In this I would time. love to. Let's all move on and Light Speed, you know, or Light Square, excuse me. Um, you know, get some other bandwidth. Go away. Yeah. Off field landing of the week. We got two of them here. Let's see. Uh, who was that masked Navion man? David, what's the story here? Well, a uh, guy flying a Navion on a cross-country trip. I guess he was going to land at Frederick, Maryland, home of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, uh, when he was uh, told that he needed to loiter outside the traffic area until they could clear a, place, a slot for him to land. And in the process, the tank ran dry. And, hate it when that happens. Uh, you know, it. You, you you know what makes the pilot sweat is the silence of that big fan out in front. Uh, so the gentleman put it into a field, and from the photograph, it looks like he did a marvelous job. Uh, he wasn't identified here, uh, but there's a nice photo of the airplane sitting in a field. I used to live in the development on that road when I worked in Frederick years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, and he let the he let the airplane sit overnight. Uh, got it topped off. Well, topped off. He he, he got extra fuel in it. He had, he had fuel in another tank, but he didn't have time enough to switch and have it restart before he needed to be on the ground. Ground froze. 
fuel on board, took off the next morning. And that was presumably within all the regs. Uh, so I was curious, wow, who is this guy? I can't find any further references to this. But he did a nice job, an off-field landing and an off-field takeoff. Yeah, well, and, and there's a lot to be said for that. Congratulations to him on that part. Although, I don't know, the way you described it, I mean, he kind of brought this on himself. You know, What was the nature of this delay? Why, 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 was, it, why was he told to hold? I cannot tell you that. I mean, uh, would you? He, you would think he knew he was low on gas, and he says, "Unable, I'm coming in." He said he didn't. He ran out of gas and didn't have time to switch to another tank. Okay. Uh, so if he had fuel in the other tank, uh, and there is a substantial terrain change from where Linganore Road is down to where Frederick Airport is. Uh, you could be at pattern altitude for Frederick Airport and be too close to the adjoining adjoining terrain to switch fuel tanks and have the engine fire back up because it's going to turn over for a few seconds. So yeah. fuel's got to get from the tank no, through the valve up to the engine through the fuel pump. Didn't happen quickly. Yeah. No, I mean as we've said before, you know this this kind of thing will probably happen to me on my next flight, so I shouldn't be too rough on the guy, but it just seems odd to me. The other, uh, the other off-field landing of the week here is, it's, you know, a story from the CJ Online, Topeka, Kansas. Topeka um, Capital Journal. Capital yeah. Journal, all right. Um, small plane makes emergency landing in field. A small Cessna airplane made an emergency landing just before 10 a.m. Tuesday in a field east of Forbes Field. Shawnee Heights Fire District firefighters, uh, sheriffs, deputies, Kansas Highway Patrol troopers responded to the scene. The pilot, an El Dorado man, Dorado man, wasn't injured. What's the story? Anything more to the story, David? Were you there? Did you see it? It wasn't no, you, I, was it? I heard about it through the grapevine uh-huh. uh, because the guy is 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 from El Dorado, and a couple of mutual friends know him. Uh, but I still don't know the guy's name. But he flies pipeline patrol. Oh, uh, that's cool flying. I I wouldn't mind tagging along on one of those flights one well, day. Well, it, it, I I've rode along on one of these years ago when a guy was trying to get ultralights approved to do this and we were in a two seat version and he was showing me what how ideal they were for this because uh how low we were to the ground was not that big a deal because we could stuff it into almost any space with a you know a twenty two knot stall speed. Uh but that's the thing about flying power line patrol, pipeline patrol, uh particularly when you're a solo, which is what most of these are, uh is that you're down low enough to the ground that uh you know, the one of the greatest advantages for these guys was a portable GPS that showed obstacles. Uh but nothing on a computer, on a desktop, on a on a portable device can make up for the lack of altitude that you've got when you're flying down close enough to examine the pipeline path over hundreds of miles. If you lose an engine there, you you're already getting pattern altitude. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, congratulations to both these pilots for uh, successfully getting on the ground safely uh, when they ran into trouble. That's good stuff. Um, Shout-outs. Most people walk away most of the time. That's right. That's right. And that's what we're trying to call attention to is is that, uh, you know, if this happens to you, don't give up. Um, there, are, there, Chances are the outcome will be okay if you keep flying the airplane. Hey, Jeb knows the line. You know the line. Fly the airplane till it stops. That's right. 
That's right. Shout outs. Got any shout outs? There's nothing on the list here. I've got one. The one I've been repeating over and over again. Go for it. Mine is so, you know, and, and I hope it wasn't apparent to the listeners, but it was a little bit, we had a little bit of difficulty doing the episode tonight because we don't have access to the uncontrolled airspace website. We can't look at the forums. We can't look at the, uh, uh, we had to kind of hack the list so that we could get out the list. And that's because we have blacked out the, uh, the uncontrolled airspace. Uh, today is, uh, is, as we mentioned earlier, today is January 18th. Um, websites all over the internet, particularly here in the United States, are, uh, have blacked themselves out today in protest of the the uh, SOPA and uh, and PIPA uh, acts that are moving through the U.S. Congress, and uh, um, and although by the time you hear this, that blackout will have ended, it will not be too late for you to contact your elected representatives here in the United States and tell them that you oppose uh, the Stop Online Piracy Act and the Protect IP acts because they will destroy the internet as we know it. Uh, read up about up a little bit about this. It is as bad as I am describing and worse. Um, you really want to speak out if you love the internet. Uh, that's my shout out. My shout out is to uh, all the folks in the Light Aircraft Manufacturers Association, particularly my old buddy Dan Johnson, who's going to be uh, hopping around more than a frog in the Cavalaris County frog jumping contest here over the next few days at Sebring. Calaveras. Calaveras. I mispronounced that again, didn't I? I used to fly into that airport. Go ahead. Well, and I'm a big fan of frog legs, so there you go. Uh, but, yeah, you guys and, and the folks in the community of Sebring, the businesses there, uh, the newspaper, the folks at the airport authority, my shout-outs to all of you that have made a real event and a real home for this event at the airport there, and now it's known for something more than the great car race and the, the nice weather. Jeff, shout out. Oh, what'd you do? I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, uh, my mic stand just kind of committed Harry Carey. Yeah, okay. We're almost done, I though. I have the mic in my hand. You have the so mic in your hand, good. fortunately. Yeah, what were you going to say? I was simply going to give a shout out to uh, all of our friends at EAA. Um, uh, Very good. Very those, good. Those to, those we've known uh, for years, uh, those we'll come to know, and, and those we've only known for a short time, some of all of you have had a rough couple of weeks or a rough few days. And uh, whether um, um, you know where you're going to be working tomorrow morning or whether you don't, um, I, I, I think you all have had a rough rough few days. And uh, our, our thoughts are with everybody on both sides. Uh, and uh, we look forward to, to seeing you all at Oshkosh again this year. Absolutely. Yeah, we've enjoyed working with all of you guys. Uh, and and I expect we will work with all of you again, one we way or another. So. Yeah. So, anything else? That it? We done? Stick a fork, fork. in this one. Yeah. There you go. Hey, uh, uh, Dave Higdon is a uh, aviation photographer and aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, avbuyer.com, aea.net, aviationsafetymagazine.com, occasionally ea.org, and a couple other places that I'm sworn to secrecy for. And Jeff Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, where can people find you on the Internet? That website Dave mentioned, I think it's called aviationsafetymagazine.com. If you want to look at something personal and really in need of an update, jeburnside.com, uh, occasionally on aea.net and occasionally on AdWeb. Um, and I haven't blocked out any of my stuff. So. 
Sorry. Sorry. Not that anyone would visit to see it blacked out, so who cares? And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Let's see now. I think what I'm going to call this one is Moon Pies, Frog Legs, and Diapers. What is that? <laughs> I thought the idea was to get people interested in listening to us. <laughs> Big thanks to Jeff Ward for creating our show notes. Thanks to Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, uh, Randa, Randa Dufo, and all the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. We are also very we grateful. We know who you are. That's right. We have your email addresses. We're also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage in the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big, Tip, big help. Tippity-doo-dah, tippity-day. And don't forget, you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation wiki, movies wiki, list, wiki, the new ratings webpage of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, you were going to say something. Make time to stand still, go fly an airplane, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. Hey, and that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Anybody got a mic stand on? The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.